Thank you everybody for being here. Our first of our double services. He says it is uh, coming up to Easter, crucifixion and the resurrection. And so I wanted to share just really a special message. Um, it's Palm Sunday. I'm always drawn to this truth with Palm Sunday. The, the same crowd that welcomed Jesus uh, into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday with shouts of Hosanna and blessed be the name of the Lord with the same crowd at his trial there in front of Pontius Pilate were screaming to crucify him and it's really that that I want to look at today because um, that thought of that he took my place and uh, three, three thoughts just to start with uh, the first one is this the gospel is the story of Jesus taking my place by taking my penalty and my punishment. That's a gospel in a nutshell. It's a powerful, powerful statement that just simply says there was a penalty and a punishment uh, that belonged to me and Jesus took it. And it says that's the good news. Did better than that, it's a great news and stuff. The second quote is one of my favorites. It comes up to Easter by John Stott. It says, before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. And that thought of the crowd that represents, the crowd that screams crucify him on that day is representative of all of us uh, in a sense uh, of put Jesus to death there. And that thought of, as we can, before we see it as something that's done for you and for me, it was something that was done by us. Uh, and then the third one by Judah Smith, it says this because we will be looking at Barabbas today. It says, For Jesus knew that the Father had to treat Bar Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas is me, Barabbas is you. And we will look at the story here of how Jesus took Barabbas' place, and that's representative for each and every one of us today. And the story is found in Matthew 27 and verse 15 to 26. And it says, now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah. For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead uproar was starting, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Let's just pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you as we gathered in your house with your people. Thank you for that wonderful message. Just simply says, 
Jesus took our place. Remember it at the table this morning as we come and we take the bread and the wine. It's representative of what has been done for each and every one of us gathered here. There's no escaping from that. We're so thankful that Jesus died in our place. He took our penalty and took our punishment. And for that, as we take a look at this story and what you have to say to us this morning, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. To get a little bit of context to the story here, the Passover, Jerusalem was always a time of unrest, agitation. The Jews were living under Roman occupation. The, the Romans, above everything else, wanted peace and stability, uh, and they looked for a way to please the crowd. So they happened upon this practice of releasing a Jewish prisoner to the crowds. Each Passover is a gesture of goodwill to keep the peace with everybody. Jesus, the Son of God, as we've read, the Messiah, is placed up against Barabbas. But who was Barabbas? Well, there's quite a bit spoken about Barabbas, 38 verses in the New Testament, though no words of him are ever recorded. Gives you an idea, though, of who he is. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew says Barabbas was notorious. Uh, it was somebody who everyone knew was a troublemaker. Luke tells us he was arrested at this time for leading an insurrection against the Roman authorities. John tells us that Barabbas was a robber, he was a thief. And Acts tells us that he was also a murderer. So I'll give you an idea what a pleasant man this Barabbas was. This guy was nothing but trouble. Pilate assumes that there's no way that the crowd are going to call for Jesus, the son of the, the Messiah, to call for his death in place of Barabbas. Uh, but little did he know. Barabbas, unfortunately, is a picture of every believer. Uh, dead in their sins, in constant rebellion to God and his word. He's, we've said, he's a robber, murderer, and rebel. He had sought to save the Jews through insurrection, but simply this, he's a representative of humanity. He's a representative of who everybody is. He says, we don't know anything about his family. We don't know if he was married. We don't know if he was single. There's no genealogy recorded of him. We don't know how old he was. We can tell you what we do know, though, in three short sentences in this story. Uh, Barabbas was guilty. As simple as that, he was guilty of every charge that was laid against him. Jesus was innocent they could find no fault in him in luke it tells us that he says pilate he says i can find no fault in this man but in this story says barabbas lived and jesus died barabbas represents all of humanity he says we are guilty of sin romans 6 verse 23 says the wages of sin is death he says, so actually Barabbas, in a sense, was getting everything that he deserved. Because of everything he had did, there was going to be very little sympathy for this man if he died. Because of all the crimes that he had committed, he had taken life, he was a robber, he was a thief. And he thought to save himself and the Jews by the crimes that he had committed. He says, we simply come here and Barabbas doesn't actually even see the need for his own salvation he doesn't actually believe that he's going to be freed in any way these gospels don't tell us this but i can imagine the scenario of him sitting in the prison cell 
and realizing that when he is being put up against this man called Jesus, uh, the Messiah, and that he's actually sitting there thinking, there is not a chance I'm going to be let off here. He says, look at all the stuff I have done. And he says, they put me up against this man who was a teacher. He's taken nobody's life. He's stolen nothing from somebody. He's totally innocent. But rappers must be thinking, that this is me. There's no way I'm going to win. There's no way the crowd is going to call for the death of this Jesus, the Messiah. He's resigned himself to dying. He's resigned himself to the one uh, that was going to die. Pilate sat in judgment. And the Pilate, in a sense, was uh, part of the tool, part of the man that was carrying out what needed to be carried out. He had all the evidence he needed to do the right thing, which was to release Jesus and to convict Barabbas. Because Pilate sees, and even his wife comes to him without going into the detail, because she had these dreams, he could see the strength and dignity of Jesus. He knew that Jesus was no criminal or revolutionary. He knew that there was no just charge that brought Jesus before the judgment seat. It was only the envy of the religious leaders that decided that simply they needed to get rid of this man, Jesus. They needed to get rid of him. He saw that Jesus was a man at peace with God. He, he didn't need to answer his accusers because he had done nothing wrong. He didn't need to answer a single accusation. Uh, Pilate had already declared and have said this already that he could find no fault in this man. That he find no fault in anything that, that he has done. The religious leaders knew the best way to influence Pilate. Not through his own judgment, not through his wife, not through the religious leaders but actually through the crowd directly. The best thing to do was go amongst the crowd and stir them up, which is what they did as the crowd were there. The religious teachers and the Pharisees started to move between the crowd and simply say, call out for Jesus the Messiah. He's the one that's got to die. He's the one, free Barabbas. And so they control and direct the crowd. He seemed more likely here that Barabbas represented what they wanted for salvation. We live in a world where people think that they can pick their own way to be saved, can't they? They can pick the bits that they like and say, this will be enough for me to get into heaven. We see here, this picture here. You see, there was actually something that the, the, the Jewish people would have loved about Jesus. We've seen that as they followed him. He said he had a, he had a great message. He'd done some good things, but he didn't really align with what they really wanted, which was to get rid of the Romans. And so what they wanted to do was support Barabbas and say, free him. You know, Jesus had preached this message, and we've looked at it already, you know, a message of turning the other cheek and going the extra mile and loving your enemies. And if we were honest, you know, that, that's not a very popular message, is it? You know, even today, that wouldn't be a popular message. But Jesus had preached this message and stuff. So there's the crowd, and they didn't really like that message because it wasn't the message that said we needed to get rid of the Romans. Uh, and so they decided, after the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had been through the crowd, they were the ones that were going to cry out, crucify him. You know, the Jews shouted this out, but crucifixion was abhorrent to the Jews. It was something that they hated, they detested. There was no more gruesome way to die than for a person to be crucified. 
But it moves us on to this of, as the crowd represents you and me because Jesus, because Jesus took the place of Barabbas. There is some truth in this. Of, we want Barabbas released because we see ourselves in Barabbas. Jesus is totally innocent. Barabbas is clearly guilty. There is none of us that is totally innocent. There is none of us. No matter how good we are, we meet people and you talk to people and people will say, well, well, I'm a good person. I've never done any harm to anybody. I don't do the things and they list the sort of vices that they think that will keep them out of heaven and say, I don't do any of these things. You know, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't swear. I'm a good person, so surely that should get me into heaven. But, but the, the Bible clearly says that we're all guilty. Uh, and so there is something of ourselves in Barabbas, even though maybe we've never stolen or, we're, or, or not taken a life or, or been as violent as he has. There's something in him that represents each and every one of us. You know, when Paul writes Romans, he says, all have fallen short, all have sinned and fallen short. Not some have fallen short, it all have fallen short. And we are here and... Pilate releases Barabbas, the guilty, and delivers over to death Jesus, the innocent. We have here a picture of our own release, affected by Christ going to the cross through faith. In Barabbas, we have this glimpse of our guilt, deserving death. You know, when I first heard the gospel, it, did, it, it almost didn't make sense. Why would somebody innocent go to the cross for me? I am guilty of all the things that I've been charged with, each and every one of us has. There is none of us that could sit in here and say, well, I've never done anything wrong. There's never been anything that, the, what, the, that I'm innocent of, that, that I was at fault for. There is none of us that can say that. And yet here we see this picture of what happens as Barabbas is presented and Jesus the Messiah is presented. Barabbas is the one who is set free. Here is Jesus is delivered to death and Barabbas is released to new life. We have the first substitution of the cross. The innocent Jesus is condemned as a sinner while the guilty sinner is released as if innocent. Isn't that the powerful message of the gospel as we come to this Easter week? Isn't that the powerful message that Jesus took the death, uh, uh, Jesus took upon himself all the sin the punishment the penalty of the whole world he took our place and set free those that were guilty which was us you see Jesus did this and it says he took Barabbas's death and Barabbas was given the freedom that Jesus deserved because that's really what Jesus deserved. I know what people will come back to me and say, oh, this had to happen, it had to happen. It was, it was the will of God, it was the sovereignty of God, and it was all those reasons that are lined up. But when we break it down to the basic point of what this was about, actually Jesus was innocent, and he took our place by taking our penalty and our punishment. And the one who was the robber, the murderer, the thief, the one who had been notorious, the one who we'd mentioned of all the stuff that had been done, he was set free. I mean, even if we look at it and take out 
the plan of God and the sovereignty of God, we would look at it and say, as far as two people are concerned, standing in judgment, we would say, but that's completely unfair, isn't it? I mean, that's completely unfair. I mean, if I brought somebody up here and stood them this side, and I stood this side, and I turned around, and I gave you a list of all the things I'd ever done wrong, and, and listed them. The times I'd been horrible, the times I'd been nasty, the times I'd sinned, the times I'd done things that, that you would look at and say, how could you do that? And somebody else stand here and say, I've done none of that. And then say, well, well who, who would you set free? Who, who, who should go free? Even, even, even in a human sense, you would turn around and say, well, surely the innocent one's got to go free. He's done nothing wrong. But Jesus takes all. He takes everything, including everything that Barabbas had done. And he took his place instead. Because Jesus took Barabbas' death. And Barabbas was given the freedom that Jesus deserved. There is the exchange. This Easter week has become. And what's interesting, as I said at the beginning, that same crowd, this is why you never trust the crowd. Never trust the crowd. Because the same crowd that day on Palm Sunday that was screaming, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. We welcome Jesus into Jerusalem. Just a few days later was screaming, crucify him, crucify him. So it reminds me of Heaven's Gate, say, you know, when you stand at the front and you crucify him. You know, they're doing the same. So we never trust the crowd. Never trust the crowd. He says, and Jesus does all of this for you and for me. You've got to wonder this, because if anyone knew what it meant for Jesus to take their place, it had to be Barabbas. Let's go back to the prison cell as he sits there. And he knows that this is a certain sentence coming. He knows it is up against an innocent man. And suddenly the Roman soldiers come in and say to him, he says, you're free to go. What? You're free to go. The crowd have picked the other person. What? I mean, surely he's not going to sit there and say, well, well, that's unfair, you know, I'm guilty, I'm notorious, I'm a robber, thief, murderer, all the other things. But he's sitting there and the Roman soldiers, no, 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 he says, they, they picked the other man. He says, you're free to go. He says, he's actually taking your place. The cross that is there, the crucifixion that is ready to happen, that was being prepared for you, Barabbas, says it's actually for this man Jesus now. And isn't that a wonderful picture of how he took our place? The cross that was prepared for me, he took my place. It's a punishment that was for me. He took my place. You see, the cross that Jesus hung on was probably originally intended for Barabbas. He sits there and he waits and he hears as the Roman soldiers come to release him. He says, you know, he says, what then do you want me to do with Christ? And they simply shout out, well, crucify him. And he asks again and they simply say it again. He says, and God used the religious elites of the day to accomplish his purpose. What men did in anger and selfishness, God used to shower us with this gift of grace as he simply offers salvation to a lost and broken world. It's interesting that the crowd chose the wrong man. But even though they chose the wrong man, God still had to do the right thing. And he still did that that day. That's the gospel. 
As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, those three words, for our sake, for you and for me, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's how we took our place. I didn't get what I deserved. But I became the righteousness of God, not because I'm a righteous person, not because I do the right thing, but simply because of what Jesus Christ did for you and me. We sit in this spiritual prison, almost like Barabbas, bound helpless, waiting for the day when we will receive the just punishment we deserve. We sit on the death row of all death rows, waiting to be dragged out to death, not knowing when the judgment will come and the door will open. And as the door opens, it comes in and says, Matt, you're free. Am I free? He says, he, Jesus, he paid the price for you. The cross that was meant for you, he took your place. The punishment that was meant for you, he took your place. That's the picture of it, isn't it? It has to be the picture of it. Oh, but, but listen, I've not been that bad. I, you know, I've been not a bad person, you know. At times I can be grumpy, at times I can lose my temper, at times I can... But you don't understand, and, and I can realize that I'm not that bad, I'm, I'm really hurt too many people and you know I know what it is to say sorry and I know what all these things and it doesn't matter there is nothing nothing I can do he says and instead of me walking out of that prison cell to the cross that was supposed to be mine I walk out to freedom because of what Jesus Christ has done for me and for you today that's how we took our place. That's how we took our place. And what makes it worse is I was in the crowd one day, as we all were. I was in the crowd one day when Jesus enters, uh, and it does not make a button a difference to me what he's done or who he is because I wanted to live my own way. And he still went to the cross for me and took the punishment and the penalty that belonged to me. See, the story of Barabbas tells us this. He says he gets, his, he gets his release from this condemnation of death. But you know what the interesting thing is? It tells us nothing else about him. I actually wonder if, if it sort of helped him just to sort of wise up in a sense or just to have his eyes open to sort of think, I need to stop doing what I'm doing. I wonder if he did that. We don't know, so we can't tell. But I wonder if because he'd heard that Jesus had taken his place, because he must have known that day that, that he was going to be the one that was going to die. He must have known going up against an innocent man who'd never done anything. He must know this was going to be the time that it was good. I wonder if it changed him. Because he simply did not get what he deserved that day. Because the greatest exchange in history is simply Jesus took what we deserved. Jesus took what was rightfully ours and he exchanged it by going to the cross for you and for me today. You see, due to no influence of our own, Jesus was chosen to die in our place. You see, I always look, think of this at uh, Calvary. God has nothing left to prove to anyone. At times, there were people will ask you, 
a question and say, and I'll ask you, well, how do I know God is real? How do I know God loves somebody like me? Well, the proof of it is at Calvary at the cross, isn't it? And there was nothing else there to prove. They just simply could just point to the cross and say, that's how much you mean to me. Not just that he loves us, but actually he sent his son to take our place. He sent his son to be the one that took our penalty and also our punishment because there is always a punishment when there is a penalty. There's no point somebody coming to you and saying, you know, listen, you were driving too fast and you got caught speeding. And so what they do is, is they say to you, they say, listen, don't worry about it. He says, we know you're in a rush on the way home and stuff. He said, so we're not going to give you the, the penalty of three points and we're not going to give the punishment of £60. We're just going to let you off. We'd be like, hold on a second, there's something not right here. Would that deter us or stop us from speaking? Of course it wouldn't. But it's different when somebody else comes in and says, yes, you were caught speeding. Those three points and that's 60 pound, I'm going to take the penalty and the punishment and put them on my license. That's the difference. That's what Jesus Christ has done when he has taken all of our sin and everything that we've ever done wrong and taken that penalty and taken that punishment for you and for me as proof. So at Calvary it stops where God has anything else to prove to us. When people say, but, well, I would need evidence of, of what God has done. Well, the cross completes that evidence. The cross is a perfect picture of how God feels about us. It's a perfect picture of what he's done for us. It's a perfect picture of how he feels about humanity. Because there's nothing left to prove to anyone. So we come this morning and we see ourselves in Barabbas and we see ourselves in the crowd. And we thank God this morning as we come to the beginning of this Easter week. Jesus Christ took our place. He took my place and he took your place. He says that debt that you had accumulated, that there was no way that you could pay by yourself, he paid for you today. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today. We thank you, Lord. We're reminded in this story that Jesus Christ took our place as he took the place of Barabbas who fully deserved the sentence, the death sentence who fully deserved to be crucified, to be the one to hang on the cross uh, for the things that he had done wrong and in this story, in this picture we see Jesus taking his place and Father, it represents the picture of how he's taken the place of each and every one of us. Nothing that we could do can change that. Nothing that we could do could earn it, work for it or pay for it. Jesus took our place. And Father, as we sit today, Father God, and Father, we don't know everybody's circumstances. Father, there may be people in here who feel like they're in that prison cell. They may feel like that there is no way out. And Father, the truth of it is today is that Jesus Christ provides a way out. He is the one that has taken our sentence 
and our punishment and our penalty and he took it upon himself and in the great exchange he took our sin so that we would be seen as righteous before you and father we thank you for that today the good news that what I deserved I didn't get because Jesus took what I deserved and we just thank you for that today in Jesus name Amen.